This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock, guiding leaders to higher ground. Learn more at MarketplaceRock.com. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have my good friend Waldo Waldman. Waldo, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, John. Thanks. Now, one of my favorite things about Waldo is he was a fighter pilot, an F-16 pilot, and if anybody here knows what a wild weasel is, if you're listening, these are the craziest pilots that have ever flown for the for the U.S. government in the Navy or the Air Force. Because you guys go in, you fly over to surface-to-air missile sites to get them to shoot at you so you can figure out where the, the same sites are so then somebody else can go in and take them out. So while though mad respect for you, and then the other thing, you know what, I, was, uh, I joined, I decided to... Uh, to start doing a lot more public speaking. It was become a big part of my platform. And when I got to the National Speaker Association, their conference, and people started hearing my background, although everybody said, hey, there's a guy you need to meet. And the reason is, is because you're just such a special guy. You're, you're, you're just a giver. You got this incredible heart. You know, after you got out of the military, you had this amazing career in business, in sales, and there's not a lot of speakers coaches and consultants, which I know you're doing all of those that actually have like boots on the ground experience doing what they're talking about. So, you know, first of all, I just want to just thank you for being a friend and just thank you for who you are, my, my pal. Absolutely. It uh, takes, uh, takes a wing one to no one. So I'm, I'm thankful to be here, bro. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you made the time. I know your business, your, your schedule is crazy. You're a New York times bestseller, wall street journal bestseller with your book, never fly solo. And there's just going to be some some great things, everybody, that Waldo's going to share with you that he works with with his clients that he shares and why he's been able to accomplish uh, not only what he's accomplished so far, but also, you know, the direction that you're heading in. So I'd love for you to start, though, Waldo, and just share a little bit about your background, your journey and kind of, you know, how you got to where you are today. Well, as you know, John, there are no overnight successes, right? You have to earn your wings and continuously evolve and and grow and shift. That's why uh, I love my profession. You know, what we do, inspiring others, sharing tactics and tools on leadership, personal development, sales growth, whatever it is, it's about being relevant. It's about evolving every single day. And I've always had that in me. I, I, I went to the Air Force Academy because I, I love the military. I wanted to be the best I could be. I loved the challenge. And the academy was a place that I knew I could do it. And uh, I stretched and grew. Have a lot of lot of leadership scars. We all have them. Yep. And, um, and then uh, was, went to pilot training. Uh, became an instructor. I was teaching men and women how to fly. And then I taught the teachers how to teach pilot training, which is very different than teaching the fundamentals of flying because instructing is different. Uh, when, when you're teaching instructors how to teach, it's different than just teaching the tactics. So I really love that because everybody has to understand their student, their needs, their objectives. So I love the human component of that niche. Then I got into the F-16. I flew the, that for a little over five years, uh, 65 combat missions, uh, Iraq, Kosovo. I uh, spent a year in the Republic of South Korea doing crazy things that didn't make the news and then went to graduate school, was in sales and marketing, and then uh, 
Uh, now I'm a, I'm a speaker and, and leadership coach. And there were a lot of struggles and learning opportunities along the way. And I'd love to share them with you because on the path of any flight plan, there's always going to be turbulence. There's always going to be challenge. And that's where the learning comes from. That's where the growth comes from. And that's what always excites me when I share about my past and my experiences because people need that. You know, is, I, I'm just curious, you know, the, the difference in the mindset um, of teaching a student versus, you know, um, you know, a leader equipping leaders to lead, right? That's almost what you're talking about. In what did you learn in that part, Waldo, that really you brought into, uh, I'm sure, that allowed you to build these high-performing teams and really, because uh, you were dealing with people at a different level when you're training in, somebody who's, whose job is to equip and empower others, right? Right. Well, ultimately, your goal is to get them to be able to fly on their own without having you in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. To be eventually be able to solo in the aircraft and then as a flight lead in, in the Air Force and you know as a fighter pilot, you, you're going to eventually lead men and women into combat and they will eventually lead men and women to a combat, into combat. So it's about teaching people to be fully accountable, to own their skills, to, um, to be fully responsible for their training. And many times what worked for one person didn't work for the other. And so I love that about teaching students and then even being a flight lead because when you're under pressure situations, be it learning how to land an aircraft or learning how to dodge a surface-to-air missile or flying 2v2 or 4v4 air combat maneuvers, you have to understand how that person thinks, what drives them, what's getting in the way of their growth, of understanding. And so I loved tapping into the core And you have to do that by asking questions and spending time getting to know that person. And ultimately, this relates back to my core philosophy in business, which is being a wingman. And a wingman is somebody who you feel comfortable going to for help. That's Mm. the key, John. And as an instructor, as a wingman, if people didn't feel comfortable going to you for help, to come to you with their challenges and problems, and if they didn't feel comfortable giving you the opportunity to teach them, they didn't trust you, your background, your your values, your skill set, then they could not be your wingman and vice versa. So this taps into being very, very trustworthy, very competent, very committed to the profession. You do not earn a wingman's wings overnight. When I meet somebody, John, even you for that matter, if somebody says, hey, great to be a wingman. No, 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 sir. No, ma'am. That takes time. Yeah. We've developed a relationship. We obviously have a back, common background being in the military. So there's a, a sense of trust already bit, uh, built. But we know just because somebody's in the military or flu fighters doesn't necessarily make them trustworthy, doesn't necessarily make them a wingman, doesn't necessarily make them the type of person that I would feel comfortable going to for help. Well, you probably have guys in your squadron that you served with for years that you probably wouldn't put in that category. Exactly. Yes, it's it's very true. And there was there's people that I would run through com I went through fire with in combat, but there are also folks who I wouldn't feel comfortable playing on a softball team with, right? <laughs> or going out to dinner with. Because those people that you hang out with are absolutely critical. My dad always said, Be careful who you spend time with on the weekends. Mm. I have a twin brother, identical twin, no better wingman in your life, by that way. He's the only person I'd jump in front of a train and the only person I'd throw in front of one, right? Because <laughs> sometimes you want to you 
want to, you know, kill the person that you love the most. And I mean that facetiously, but so important that the root of those relationships, be careful who you're hanging out with business-wise on the weekends. Are they emulating excellence? Are they calling your bluff? Are they challenging you to be better than who you were yesterday? And sometimes that means being open to having someone tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. To be willing to tick you off because they care about you. They care about your background. They care about your family. They care about your success enough to bruise your ego, to put you in your place. And quite frankly, that's the type of people I want to build relationships with, John. Not yes men and yes women, but someone who has the courage to, to, to help me to grow, to stretch me, to push me. How many people do you think, Waldo, actually have relationships like that? And how do you develop them? Well, I, I think not many people have those relationships. This is why I talk about it. I see a gap and I see it in my own life. I, I, I ask myself, you know, who, who, who are the people I can go to? Who do I really, really trust? The list is not very big. It's not. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to build it. That's why when I go out to my conferences, when I speak to audiences, when I even go to the association, just like meeting you, I'm like, is this somebody that's not just going to help me in business, which is great, but somebody who I can, I can connect with, who can inspire me. Both of us are successful. We have a good living. We have a wonderful family. But if I want to grow, if I want to stretch, I need to hang out with somebody that's really emulating that in their personal and professional lives. And so I don't think people truly have that. And, and the reason why, John, is they're not willing to take off their mask. Mm -hmm. They're not willing to say the three most important words in life. I need help. Mm -hmm. They have channelized attention, they have their blinders on. They feel if they're too vulnerable, if they show weakness... If they're not, if they're not a little bit needy at times, then someone's going to look at them as being weak. Uh, somebody's going to look at them and being somebody that they wouldn't want to hang out with. And quite frankly, if somebody who I'm going to connect with and build a relationship with doesn't, if I don't feel comfortable, you know, building that relationship and being the type of person that others can come to for help, then then I'm at a loss. So, so you have to be willing to ask for help. Uh, and allow others the opportunity to lift you up and inspire you and coach you and get you get you better. But by doing that, you have to first be the type of person that others can come to for help. You have to emulate excellence. You have to work on your character, your commitment, your your mindset. You're working out. You know, we talked today. I just worked out this morning because I know I have to stay on point. I have to have that horsepower. Mm. I need the disciplines. <clears throat> so. Jim Rohn, the philosopher I'm sure you're familiar with, says, work harder on yourself than you do on the job. Um, I call it working on that inner wingman, the sacrifice, the sweat, that inner tool, that, that inner resource called yourself, your heart, your belief system. If you're not working on that, you can't have others or expect others to, to, to trust you to build that relationship. It starts with you before others. Well, I think you're bringing up such an important point because if you look at, you know, a lot of, especially younger leaders, people are moving into a leadership position and they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I lead? How do I run a meeting? How do I have these conversations? And they're looking for almost, you know, techniques or, or things to do. But what it really comes down to is if you are that person in the core that just has that integrity, you've developed the skills, because the definition of leadership that I like the best it's if you have influence over somebody else. 
Now think about that. For you to truly lead somebody, to influence them, you have to give them permission for you to have influence in your life. You need to become that person in the core. And I really think that's where it starts because you talked about you know, the characteristics of a wingman that you would trust, right? They're competent, they're trustworthy. I'll guarantee you they know their own skills, their talents, their gifts. and they're, So they've mastered that for themselves. But then they have that kind of heart that they are reaching out. And, I'm, and I know this is how you operate uh, because you said, right, it's different for different people. Something that works for one person doesn't work for the other. But you have that awareness to say, okay, this is what I see in this person that they might not even see in themselves. And I'm going to serve them forward by bringing that up to the surface. And I'd love to ask you, how right. do you become that person that at that core, because I really think that is the first step of leadership is leading yourself, that inner game, to become that person that then you you do have the ability to influence others, to have a, 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 a make a meaningful difference in their lives. It's so true. And, and, and you emulate that. And that's why I'm excited about nurturing and building our relationship. We wouldn't be on this call if it, if it didn't happen. But it takes time. It takes I always say innovation starts with conversation. Mm. Innovation starts with conversation. And we are always innovating. We're growing. We're expanding. We're evolving our character, skills, relationships. So when you meet somebody at a networking event or you're you're uh, at, a, at a business meeting or you're you're out there at Wherever it is, I always say you have to go through the hand or to, to, to get to the heart, shake mm. hands, connect, and, and be, be that, that communicator that, that sets the, the, the vector to, to a greater relationship. And many people, especially if you're introverted, and, and I think I'm kind of introverted. I am extroverted in many ways, but I'd rather have one deep conversation with one person than have 10 mediocre conversations with a bunch, you know? I'm the same way. If I go to a networking meeting, I typically spend the entire time talking with one or two people. Right, right, because you, you value that connection. And I don't like cursory, you know, substandard, like just, just baloney talk. It, it just it, it doesn't serve me. It doesn't inspire me. So, so you first have to really, like, like I said, work on that inner wingman and realize that you may have weaknesses and insecurities and, 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 and things that are lacking in your life that you have to start tapping into and working on before you can deliver that to others in the same sense. By having relationships with others, John, and this is key, they will often be the one to point out to you or even more subtly reveal to you the areas that you have to work on. And so by getting to know you, I'm like, wow, I didn't, re- I, there's, a, there's a something that I need in my life. You know, I love that John does X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. He spends time doing this. He's very connected with his spirituality. Whatever it is, I'm like, wow, I need to work on that. And so, you know, what did they say? One plus one equals 11, right? Like, yeah. it's like, you know, you're, you're expanding your mindset and creating what I call paradigm shifts in your, in your skill set, in your, in your philosophies. And so a wingman checks your blind spots out calls out the threat to you and reveals to you some areas that you need to work on. And so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of symbiotic. You're giving and receiving, giving and receiving. And there are times when you're going to be in a more receiving mode. There may be people in your life who you're taking with honor, like certain folks that are a couple rungs above the ladder than you, you have to take with honor. And what I say, take with honor, it means, Hey, if they're better, more successful than you, have more, have more influence or whatever, and you see that person could teach you, ask for help. 
do it professionally with with compassion be polite serve them take them to lunch write them a handwritten note acknowledge their the fact that they've sacrificed a little bit of their time to give to you Mm -hmm. and then pay it forward and help others this is how you do it with honor or you could be selflessly selfish taking but doing so in a matter that you're honoring the relationship you're respecting it and you're also helping others out lifting others while others pull you up on the ladder of life, you know, we need one hand up, reaching up one, one or two rungs above the ladder, but you have to have a hand down as well. And I'm not a big fan of people who only have a hand up. Hey, who's going to help me? Who's going to pull me up? Well, guess what? You better have your damn hand down, bro. I want you. I want to see you lifting others up and helping others because that's how the, the world works. That's what God notices. And what, what brings love and compassion and service into the world. And so think about that. Are you coaching others, mentoring, not just for money because it's the right thing to do, but are you also seeking out those who can lift you up and inspire you? And people want to be mentors. There are folks out there who want to help you, but you got to be filling somebody's cup of love before you do it and expect others to do it for you. You know, I think you're right. People love to help uh, when you have the right motivation. And, you know, you said something before. It, it reminded me something that we're bo- you and I are both very familiar with flying a combat mission, uh, we have the brief, right? And everybody does this in business. We talk about what we're going to do and how we're going to go do it, and then we go do it. But something that's part of how you and I think is this concept of a debrief. And this is honestly where all the learning came from because we would sit there and we'd set, we would assess, hey, you know, did you do a good job? You know, we have a tenant of our company that all feedback is relevant, especially maybe the stuff that you don't want to hear. And... I would love for you to maybe even talk about this, you know, this circle of friends, you know, in the work environment, how do you almost use that concept of allowing people to come in and talk about the good, the bad, the others in what you're doing and how you're doing it so that you're constantly on that track toward excellence and improving? You you have to be uh, two things, coachable and approachable. I think we may have mentioned this before. If you truly want to grow, you have to realize, Hey, um, not as good as I was yesterday. If I want to get better tomorrow, number one, what, make, what got me here won't necessarily get me there, right? Yep. And number two, uh, and, and so are you willing to read the books, re- understand that you're, you're not as sharp as you may think you are? Are you willing to get better? Uh, you know, when I got inducted into the Speaker Hall of Fame, uh, I'm like, I, I, man, I, I got to get coaching. <laughs> I need to get better because now the, the standards are higher. And your customer, your buddy, wants you to get better yeah. and you better keep evolving no matter where you're at you know bruce lee is a perfect example the the uh you know uh jeet kune do expert the kung fu guy he, he always was like you know i'm i'm always asking i'm always humbling myself getting better and working 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 just as you soon as you think you're good guess what somebody else can kick the kick the heck out of you or you know <laughs> yeah. either professionally personally professionally so so realize that you you have to continuously evolve um and then be approachable. One of the mistakes I made in the Air Force, because I was younger, I didn't have the context that I do now, is that I, I could have been more approachable with getting, getting feedback. I think I got defensive. I still think I do. Most, most of us do get defensive in some way. No one likes to hear the brutal content or the brutal feedback to get our ego bruised, to tell us that we were, we were wrong, right? And, and I think I alienated some of my buddies by, by being too defensive. 
I, if I can go back, I will do this more. But those are important lessons learned for me. And so watch getting your ego in the way. Watch being too defensive and trying to justify yourself. And sometimes that feedback may be off. You know, just because you're getting coaching from somebody or feedback doesn't necessarily make them right. Unless it's really a process. Like for us in the debriefing, hey, John, you didn't call tanks dry. You, you, you were supposed to have the high search, I, and, and I see you had the low search. Uh, you over the jet. You missed the wrong target or missed, hit the wrong target. That's factual. That's process-oriented. But when someone's giving you advice about your business and personal development or what they think you should be doing better at, yeah. doesn't necessarily – Or commenting about how you think, right? How, how, you know, who, who you showed up as a person in that situation. Like, did yes. you realize that you shut down the innovation and the energy of this entire team by how you showed up? Right. Right. I want, you know, I need to hear that. And I might not want to hear that. I have a client right now. They just, re, you know, some of their team members reached out to me and said, he, the way he's operating right now is bringing so much stress into the company. Um, and they're not aware of it. And they hadn't shared any of that with me because I'm only working with one of the, you know, one person on the team. But thank right. goodness I was able to get that feedback because now now we can talk about it because there's some things that have to be um, you know coached and this person is very open to feedback because he has his best interests of his people at heart. But if you don't have a culture and environment where people are willing to talk about what isn't working and why, you're never going to get better. And you got you have to have those conversations. Totally. And then we get into being so politically correct. We get so, you know, I don't want to hurt some person's feelings. So this culture, and this is great about a fighter power culture. It's what my next book is going to be about. Walking into a squadron of accountability and, and commitment and, and ambition, you know, compassionate ambition. We all want to grow, but we can't step on the backs of people to get there to the highest, to the next realm. So, so true, John, you know, and if you have to work on that culture, once again, the culture starts with you. Mm-hmm. And then spreads out. It becomes contagious. And that's why leaders, the ones that are setting the tone, they have to be the ones to be the have the character, the work and all that. Not saying that they can't make mistakes, not saying that they're going to have issues and, and, and weaknesses, but augmenting those weaknesses with somebody who has more power and strength and capability in certain areas. Like, for example, some CEOs may not be the best communicators. They're normally very uh, – uh, uh, strategic. They're good with the numbers, right? There was a CFO who just became a CEO of a big franchise company. I just worked for a couple of days ago. He admits he's like, he's like, uh, you know, I, I, I got to work on my smile. I got to work on my happy face and everybody, cause he's just so serious, but the guy is brilliant at saving money for the company and, and reducing costs and improving processes. So his chief marketing officer is VP of sales, COO, they have more relationship skills. And so we need to build teams that augment our weaknesses, focus on our strengths. You know, we've all heard that before, but then realize we can't do it all. Find out what we need to do to get better because you can't change the stripes of a zebra. And if you're not the type that's not gregarious and happy and go motivated, can't do a speech in front of folks, people will forgive you for that. But if you go out and try to be something that you're not, and baloney your your people and try to be something that you're not authentically you're not authentic you're going to lose respect people would trust you more if you just say hey you know 
I can't do this, but my wingman's going to help fill, fill this in. It's not that I'm not going to work on it, but does, does that make sense, John? Because I think no, it can't be all things to all because, people. Because I think, you know, what you're talking about, uh, we talked about before, it's about that, you know, your character as a leader, and I think really understanding what your strengths are and what you're gifted at, and how do you bring that out to serve your organization, right? You and I both know leaders that are not very gregarious and they're not great communicators, but they are loved by their people because they've never gone out and tried to be something that they're not. And I think it's that, that you know, that's authenticity. You know, it's a way overused word, but what it really means is you're just true to who you are. And if you can, but first of all, you have to be aware of who you are and then bring, you know, and give people around you permission to be the best them that they can be and like you said, what are those that, you know, that, that like a flight of four coming in, right? Everybody has different skills and you as the flight lead know exactly, hey, I'm going to, you know, ram her over here. This is how, this is how I'm going to use him on this mission. And the other guy, this is how I'm going to use him because everybody's just a little bit better in different areas. Totally with you. And, and so, you know, being approachable, being coachable, you know, and, and then also appreciating those unsung heroes that are part of your life. Those, those folks, our spouse, our coworkers, are we going out there? I call it walking the flight line. You know, the maintenance troops, John, who have who fixing the jet, the weapons expediters, the administrators, all the folks who are behind the scenes, those unsung heroes, they may not be the flight lead like you, they may not be the ones who are getting the glory, hitting the target, closing the deal, uh, building the business, but you're, the folks who are turning the wrenches, so to speak, calling out the missiles for you, break right, break left, take action now. If you're not willing to, to create those nurturing relationships where they're calling them out to you and you're willing to call them out to them, that's a big, uh, that's a big a weakness in, your, in the culture of your organization. So I always say, get out there. If you want to fill your bank account, fill your bank account. Connect with them. Fill their jet with the most important fuel of performance, which I believe is appreciation, right? Because mm -hmm. we all know we can't do it on our own. And so I think a powerful component in your life is to think of those folks who are out there every day Helping you stay focused, send them a thank you note, you know, to take them for coffee, buy them lunch, acknowledge them, find the good things that they do. You know, Rainy is my new assistant. She's been with me for six months. She's got her strengths and weaknesses. And I'm trying to develop her strengths, trying to help figure out where her weaknesses are. But if I'm not in there connecting with her, uh, finding out what's important for her, you know, we talk about vision, John. Hey, what's your vision of the company? I have to find out, hey, what's her vision? Mm-hmm. What is, she, what is important for her every day? What's, what's her vector? She's a single mom. Her kid's 11 years old. She wants to put her through a cheerleading practice. She's got goals. She wants to be a speaker one day and help people. So I'm helping her achieve her goals, her flight path, her flight path and by doing so, she'll support me with mine. And so make sure you're tapping into the vision and the root of those people who are out there and they will support your vision. And by the way, the last thing I'll share on this subject is you got to do it with tact. As a New Yorker, you know, as a fighter pilot, New Yorker, hardcore, and most people on the phone, if you're type A, you know, sometimes we fling missiles at people with our words. We think we're being helpful, but we're shooting them down. And uh, I have to always work on my tact. Be kind. Share something positive when I give some negative feedback or criticism, which is different than judgment, by the way. I, my 10th grade English teacher, Miss Riley, used to say, be critical without being judgmental. Mm -hmm. I want somebody to be critical with me, but don't judge me. Judge the behavior, not the human. 
And if you wind up judging the human, their character, their integrity, their, 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 their uh, true authenticity, then that conversation should be taken, taken more seriously because maybe that person is not fit to be part of what you call the culture, John. You mentioned that culture, yeah. culture of courage, the culture of accountability, the culture of mutual support. If you don't have somebody that has the values, the integrity that's critical to winning and serving and growing, then you got to get them out of your organization as fast as you can. And don't let that person be you, the one that lacks the integrity, because you're going to be hurting. I'll never forget when I was uh, when I got promoted, I was running a big division of a public company. My new boss, he became a great mentor, was a Navy surface officer. But he said, you know what? New managers, they always hire way too quickly and fire way too slowly. And I never really understood what that meant until we hired some guys and all of a sudden, man, they were one of my top performers. Uh, he did as much as my next top four guys in sales combined, but he was so toxic to the culture. But right. I was afraid to let him go because I figured that might make me look bad just from a numbers perspective. And I yeah. thank God I had somebody that could mentor me because when we let this person go, do you know the entire division rose to a level where we doubled our numbers in just the next six months? I had no idea what a bottleneck, what a constraint that he had been on just the relationships, what you're talking about, right? Just that authenticity people were afraid to share. But, I, you know, I'd love to circle back because, first of all, such a huge congratulations in being inducted in the Speaker Hall of Fame. If people listening aren't familiar with that, it is a huge deal, and it means that you've put in a tremendous amount of work. Best-selling author, coaching some of the top leaders in the in the world. But as you reflect back, right, this process started for you back in the Air Force Academy, probably in athletics in high school, but really the last 15 years have you been pursuing this. What are some of the, the biggest lessons that maybe you've learned that you would share with other business owners that are listening to this Man, they, they have some big dreams. They have some big goals. They're really right now just trying to figure out what is that next small step I need to take to just keep putting one foot in front of the other to start accomplishing something that's significant. So I want to talk about fear and courage. Okay. Because the humanity, the, the doubt, the fear, those are obstacles that hold us back. Now, Decorated fighter pilot, combat, retired colonel, yada, yada, yada. I struggle with two major fears. I'm going to talk about the first one, which is a fear of heights. Before, when I was a kid, I wouldn't jump off the diving board at the local community pool. Uh, I, I didn't go on Space Mountain at Disney World, a big roller coaster ride. My twin brother would make fun of me all the time. And guess what? You know, my, my dad was a mechanic for the airlines. I didn't, I didn't tell you this, but he took me to Kennedy Airport where he was a mechanic and I fell in love with the jets, the smell of jet fuel. He sat me in the mm. cockpit and said, dad, I got to do this. I want to fly. And he said, listen, son, you're afraid of heights. Probably not the best career choice for you. And I said, I don't care, dad. I'm going to do it. Deep down, I would find a way because my passion became greater than my fear. Mm. And so. That's powerful. When, yep. And, and when you think about what passion, what is it that you love that's greater than the fear? This is how you can break barriers. I went to the Air Force Academy. Part of graduating was jumping off a 33-feet-high diving board. I freaked out. <laughs> and, and I was the last in my class to do it because there was no way in heck that I was going to let 33 feet stand between me and living my dreams. 
I didn't want to let it stand between me and the future. So you have to ask yourself as a peak performer, as somebody who's thinking of getting married, which is a huge dive off of a diving board, asking for a promotion, starting a business, quitting your job to start something else, whatever it is, those small steps that you referred to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to take a step down, a step off, a small step to rise up. And you have to find out what your 33 feet is Mm. every day. Love that. Right? The passion, the love, that's going to get you through the tough times. And, you know, flying jets for us, you know, I flew combat missions seven, eight hours at a time. When I was, when I had to jump off those diving boards again, there has to be something greater at the end of that diving board. And that's how you stretch and grow on the opposite side of that fear is where growth is. So you have to get into your mindset, what steps you need to take. It's going to be uncomfortable. You got to step outside of your comfort zone and find out what do I need to do today that was different than yesterday. And so I talked to you about going to a coaching program. I spent five figures to, to spend a few days with other peak performers. I hired a coach for a lot of money as well. You would, we would talk about that. Sometimes I got to take that risk and take that inve- make that investment to allow others to help reveal some of those weaknesses, maybe those 33 feet that I don't even think I had. We don't even know our weaknesses sometimes, those fears that we have. Sometimes it takes a good wingman, a coach, a mentor to reveal that weakness that may be holding us back. Total paradigm shift. Yeah, like here's something standing here's something standing in front of you or holding you back and you're not even aware of it. It's a 33-foot jump, but you didn't even know it. But it it's it's right there, but you Bingo. don't see it. Bingo. And this is this is going to be about what, what my next book is about, about that mentorship, challenging, taking a new direction. And I know as a 40-year-old guy, I've got a five-year-old son at home. <clears throat> I'm not where I really truly want to be. I'm getting there. I'm evolving and growing. But and, and I know that's why I spent money on coaching. And that's why I'm also hired as a coach. We have to meet people where they're at and help people in certain ways. So find out what those fears are. Sometimes we know what they are, but we're avoiding having those tough conversations with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about hitting the gym today, about getting up a little earlier, small little incremental habits that will eventually sh- shift your direction, your path, uh, the disciplines, the disciplines, the habits which we should own, but are often revealed by our team. Now, another fear that I had was a, a massive fear of, a fear of, of I had a, uh, one of the other major fears I've had is claustrophobia. I don't know if you know that, John. Did I share that with you before? No. Did you feel claustrophobic in the cockpit? So this is very important, folks. And John, I want to share it. And this is something that you don't know about. So three years in my 11-year flying career when I was an instructor, I almost died in a scuba diving accident. I did that, you know, quick course, that crash course in the Caribbean, one hour in the water, and suddenly I'm an expert, right? So I go into the water, didn't have proper techniques, wasn't properly trained. By the way, training and preparation overcomes fear. The reason why most of us are afraid in business or sales or leadership having a conversation is because we don't have the training, the skill set. We didn't practice. And then our heart rate goes up and we fail to be in the zone and be present. So that's what happened to me. And I had a panic attack 35 feet out of the water. My mask malfunctioned. I inhaled a whole burning lung full of stinging salt water. Freaked out. Had a panic attack. Didn't know what one was up until that moment. Thought I was going to die. Wow. Three days later, I'm – what's that? That must have been just scary as I'll get out. No combat mission could even compare to that, John. 
absolutely, without a doubt, the worst experience of my life. So I got out of the water and said, I'm never doing that again, right? I'm like, I'm not going scuba diving. But a few days later, I'm back in the jet. This was as an instructor flying across country before I flew the F-16, mind you. Before I even made the decision to choose the F-16, I was an instructor and I was flying in terrible weather. It's called being in the soup. You know that. You couldn't see the sun, couldn't see the ground. And I started having that same panic attack that I had before. I thought something was wrong with my oxygen. I'm like, I got to get the hell out of this plane. Realized I had claustrophobia. Not the best thing for a fighter pilot to have. I assume you would understand with that, John, right? So for the next eight years of my 11-year active duty flying career, almost 3,000 hours, I had to deal with that fear, that phobia, that doubt. But my passion, my passion for flying the love, the thrill, the challenge of strapping into that 30,000 pounds of thrust, single engine, single seat jet, to go out there and kick ass, to make things happen was greater than the fear. And when I was in the zone, when I was present, focused, when I had my wingman there to back me up, when I knew I was prepared mentally, spiritually connected, sure I would have the fear, I would have those what I call micro panic attacks, it happened a lot more in the early part of my flying after, uh, after my, my panic attack and scuba diving, but it eventually got easier and easier. So, so what I'm saying is we're all going to have those fears and doubts that prevent us from performing. And mind you, this is all about performance, right, John? Anybody listening, your job is to perform, not to philosophize, but to go out there and lead, to grow your sales, to grow your business to be a better parent, to be a better spouse, that takes work. It takes taking off and flying. And the hardest thing for me on every one of my missions, and I think you all can agree, was hearing that clear for takeoff call and knowing that I had a seven or eight hour night mission strapped into a tiny jet. Knowing not only that I have to face the missiles, the fears, the being shot down, that was a given. We were all afraid of that. But having to face this, pa- <laughs> being in this tiny little cockpit for seven or eight hours at a time. And I'm going to share a tactic that I, before we end on how I was able to overcome it fully. But man, when you're focused, when you're prepared, when you have your wingman who you can go to for help, and when you envision the end, you know, when I landed from those missions, John, I, I sure we all were victorious and felt great for dodging the missiles, hitting the targets, saving each other. But no one knew my personal challenge, that fear of claustrophobia that I broke through. And when I taxi in, man, I'm like, yes, another day that I overcame myself. When I overcame myself and I still broke through. Those are the personal victories that build confidence and build character. Also makes you more compassionate. Because when I meet somebody, John, who's struggling, who's in the dungeon with a broken wing, I can relate to them more. And so those challenges and fears and, and obstacles and, and, and discouraging and, and moments that we have when we're in the dungeon of life, broken wings, that's what builds that character. That's how it helps us become more compassionate and are able, able to serve those folks who need us more. And that's why I feel all those challenges and, and fears and doubts and insecurities that I overcame is now giving me a gift to help other people out. 
And I think you're the same way, John, because you've had your challenges and, and, and missile fail, missile launches and engine failures in life. We all have them. If not, it's, it's just a matter of when. The key is we can't get shot down. We got to still fly, get the mission done. Well, I got to tell you, you know, as you're as you're sharing, I'm having these flashbacks to these micro panic attacks I had, Waldo, every night landing on the aircraft carrier because there is no depth perception. So you're coming at the boat. You feel like you're coming in at 200 knots and you always feel like you're so high that you there. It's impossible I- to land and it's hard to describe. But I got to tell you, I love what you said, right? You know, people out there, you know, think about some of these things that have scared us that have, you know, they, they've been hard to go through. I, I'm so glad that you shared that. It's actually these events that make us more human and make us relatable to other people, which allows us to serve them better. And I think, you know what it does? It puts in context all these highs and lows that we have in these process events between as we're going, you know, through life that actually equips us to do better at helping right. other people and you know what that you know what that really does that makes you a better leader because you have to be able to connect to somebody on on that personal level like you talked about with Rainy right uh and this was such a great takeaway i hope people heard it you are already concerned and aware of what her values are what her passions are what her goals are and while she's in the process of being part of your company and serving you what you can do to serve her I'll guarantee you there's such, you know, uh, appreciation and loyalty when people are in a culture that is like that. And that that is where high performance comes from. That that is the core of it right there. You got it, brother. So important and you hit a hit on a key word loyalty, right? Mm-hmm. Loyalty when things are getting tough. When we got to fly this mission, John, me and you, the missiles are coming. Will we do it? Well, can I, can I depend on you or will you abort? Mm-hmm. Key, key context. That's what a wingman is. When we hear the words commit, commit, right, in combat, yeah. which means we're executing, we're yep. crossing the forward edge of the battle area, wingman flight, commit, commit. We're going to full power. We're executing the game plan. And you're not doubting me. I'm not doubting you. We're prepared. We trust each other. We need each other. We are depending on each other. You got my back. My I've life might depend back. on you doing what you're right. supposed to do. And here's the, here's the shift, though, I want people to think, because then they're saying, well, our lives aren't on the line if I don't sell the piece of software or get the coaching gig or ask for the promotion. But it's the life and death of your business, your future, your children's education, your dream homes, the charities that you support. It's your future. We have to earn our wings every day. Don't let you be the weak link in that formation. Don't let it be you. You know, when you look in the mirror, there's the problem. But there's also the solution staring back at you. So this is how we can look ourselves every morning. So you know what? I may not be flying an F-16 or or carrying an M-16. I'm not in uniform. My life's not on a line. And I'm not in the service. But we don't need to wear a uniform to serve. Right, bro? Right. You don't need to wear a uniform to serve. And we all hear service before self. Those are those are core values from the Air Force Academy, the military, service, servant leadership. Most important person we serve, most important wingman there is, is ourself, right? The inner wingman. And, and our, if we have a connection with God, I hope we all do. Hey, 
he's he or she's he, they're always in your formation, right? Yep. But the inner wingman, that's the most important one, the core, and then you're building the, and nurturing the others that are part of your formation. Um, so, but but don't let don't fool yourself in thinking that just your mindset's going to get you there. It's the foundation. It's the core. But attitude doesn't determine altitude, as they say. Attitude plus action. The attitude put into action, hopefully the right action, that's going to determine your altitude. So get your mind right. Get fired up and motivated. Get committed. I call it pushing it up every day. That's the throttle, right? You know that, John. Yep. Push it up means go to full power. But we can't all be, be all thrust and no vector. You got to have direction. You have to have a plan. You got to sweat, put in the time, read the books, work on your fitness, watch your diet, nurture the relationships, make some sacrifices. That builds confidence and confidence lands jets on night missions, on aircraft carriers. It helps us dodge missiles. It helps us overcome our fears and phobias and helps us nurture reinforcing relationships that help us all, all to win. That's why we're here, though. We're here to win, not to survive. We win with honor and service, which means sometimes saying no when we want to say yes, right? We win with honor and integrity and, and in the process of helping others out. That's compassionate capitalism. That's compassionate ambition. And, and one thing that you mentioned, John, I, I think it's important for us to tap into some of those struggles that your wingmen have. When you're hiring people, I tell my twin brother, he's having a hard time. He's, he has an M&A consulting company, commission only. He's building a team. I said, Dave, ask these guys and gals, have they, what, are their biggest, what are the biggest challenges they've had, the biggest failures? That builds resilience. That builds humility and makes you more hungry. And sometimes we just <laughs> – all these folks that are succeeding <laughs> – Hey, I, I want to see the. I want to see the scars. The scars build character, and we all have them. Honor those scars. Honor those failures, and make you a better person. Make you a better leader. Absolutely, Waldo. I love everything that you're sharing. You know, and as we wrap up, and you know, people are listening. And and just what final thoughts would you like to leave with people? You know, here in in the U.S. and actually around the world, we have people. Believe it or not, it kind of blows my mind in 176 countries that listen every week to this podcast. I love that. I love that because we've flown in so many different missions with Brits and Canadians and French and Italians and Germans, all different folks. I love that. And this is a global force. And you know what? I coached somebody in Denmark in F-16. I was on CNN. If you want to learn about my claustrophobia and, and all that other stuff, if you go to yourwingman.com. There's a lot of stuff there. Even Google Waldo Waldman, and you can find me on Facebook and social media. But I, I was on CNN with Sanjay Gupta talking about my my claustrophobia. But somebody heard about that, and he and he was a fighter pilot in uh, Denmark, and he's like, I, I, I saw your story. I'm having these panic attacks. I can't fly anymore. What do I need to do? I, I don't know what to do. I can't share it with somebody. He, you can't share certain fears and phobias with your teammates, right? That's with true. your wingman, right? I couldn't tell my buddies. And, and by the way, if they knew, I'd probably have to meet a review board and have these wings taken away. But the bottom line is I would have if it interfered with my performance. But it never did. I was scared. I, you know, I wanted to, you know, poop in my pants half the time, right? And just like we all do. But how do you fight and fly despite the fear? That's where true courage is. And so 
we, we have to be careful, really, who do we go to for this? And I want to share with you that last thing that I did on the toughest of my missions, John. Mm-hmm. And I want to share with your audiences, the humans, the, the people with hearts and families and different religions and backgrounds and colors of their skin, all connected. What I did on those toughest of missions, I go into a secure room. And if I had time, I'd pick up the phone and call my twin brother, Dave. And say, Dave, I'm freaking out, man. I don't know if I can do this. I'm getting ready to fly a seven-hour night mission. I don't know what to do. And he said, Rob, I love you. You're my twin brother. You can do this. You've done 40 of these missions already. It's going to be easy. Go out there. Make me proud. And what he meant to say, but what didn't come out of his mouth were, was, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. He saw the weakness in me. But he really saw the courage in me and the power that I didn't think I had. And he, he reached his wing and said, you, you, you can do it. I've got your back. Go make me proud. He gave me wings to fly. And that's what I'm challenging everyone to do. Even, even you, John. And I have to do it every day. Mm-hmm. To take off your mask. To be vulnerable. To be willing to ask for help. And letting somebody into your life, giving them the blessing and the honor and the privilege of helping you to fill their fuel of, 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 of service. And, and this is, it's symbiotic. And, and that takes a lot of effort sometimes. And, and, and it means building relationships with people. And, and Elizabeth Dole, when she ran the Red Cross, said, I didn't wait for the rivers to flood before I built relationships. If you want to build a team of wingmen that you can go to for help, be the type of person that others can come to for help. Say yes when they're asking you to be on a podcast or to help them out or whatever it is. Say yes more than you say no. We talked about this before, John. So many of the big, successful, wealthy billionaires are saying, you got to learn when to say no. Well, before you learn to say no, you got to learn to say yes. When people call out to you for help, inconvenience yourself. Make time for them. Don't do it at the, at the sacrifice of your own health and well-being and happiness, but fit them in. Serve them. Give. Give your wings away. Be a wingman. That's the best way you can build wingmen in your own life. Well, Waldo, what you just shared, I hope people picked up in there. That, that was one of the most powerful, I think, teachings we've had in a while because we started out this interview talking about the power of association and i know from the emails that i get and the communication that i get from people everybody out there uh who gets in touch with me has these huge dreams and the goals and they're trying to connect what they're calling and they they want to be successful and significant at the same time and here is something i know for certain who you're going to be in five years from now I really believe it depends on two things. The first one is what you read, what are you putting into your head and how you're programming yourself. You have to be excellent at your craft. You have to have the knowledge. You have to build your skills. But the second one and the most important one is who you hang out with. Waldo started and you started talking about, am I surrounding myself with people that can challenge me? Because they've done what I wanted to do. Am I willing to get to know them to actually almost be almost kind of in submission to them in, in a relationship where I can say, you know what, they got this outcome 
and I've really gotten to know them. And I am I willing to pay the price that they paid to get the result that they got? And you know what? When your passions align and you say, absolutely, I will pay that price. And I want to tuck into this guy that did it. And you're with somebody that can sow into your life and correct you and give you guidance and do it in a way not in a judgmental way, right? Because they have your best interest at heart, like your brother always did for you. And I'll guarantee you, you have a inner circle, a small inner circle of other people. And I think if people really, you know, one takeaway from this entire interview, if people can actually just go look at who you're spending your time with. And, and I'm not saying, you know, the people that are not serving you to just cut them out because that, that doesn't make sense because relationships are powerful. But why don't you go start developing relationships with one or two new people that can be those people that can truly be that wingman in your life and serve that role and push you. What do you say? Push it up, right? You're going to full right. power, allow you permission to be pushing it up in your life and what you're doing. So I, I really appreciate that you shared that, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, John. And, you know, I, I always say <clears throat> you have to push yourself, but pull others. Mm -hmm. Push yourself, but pull others. And here's another Final quote, a little wingman uh, wingtip. Fear drags and love lifts. Mm. Fear drags and love lifts. When you're having a tough day, focus on what you love. You know, we have a saying, lose sight, lose fight, right, John? Yep. Lose sight in battle, lose sight of your wingman, lose sight of the target, you're going to lose fight. But if you lose sight of what you love, what inspires you, what drives you, what gets you out of bed, which by the way, it's not what, what keeps us up at night that's as important as what gets us out of bed. What keeps us up at night is the, the negatives. That's the fear component. What gets you out of bed is the love component, the excitement. And most people ask, hey, hey what keeps you up at night? No, no. The more important question is what gets you out of bed. We constantly have to ask ourselves what that is. Focus on what you love. It'll lift you. It'll inspire you and give more meaning to your mission every single day. Bro, that is, I'm going to use the word bro because you use it because you just do it with this New York way and it just sounds so <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I want to be a bro like you. Uh, wing bro. A wing bro. Uh, <laughs> man, I love that. You know, I, you know, I'm always about focusing on, you know, on the positive and, and on the things you can do. And I think, you know what, that is so worthy of of our time. And I'm going to start doing this is what are those things? And in, in the morning when I'm laying there and I'm saying, okay, what's exciting about getting out of bed? Because I feel that a lot, but you do have those things that, you know, they kind of dwell on your mind and your mind starts kind of spinning a little bit and you start going down these little rabbit holes. But that's because, you know what, you're losing sight of your passions and what you're doing that you love. You start dwelling on the, you know, some of the fears or what could be that'll probably never happen. But you know what? That is just that that is that is like drag on it. You know that's what slows you down. That's why you, you, know, you, you can't fly the way you want to fly is because you're not overcoming that fear. So love that. Thank you, uh, Waldo, dude. You are you are awesome. It's been great getting to know you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this powerful message with our entire audience. Much appreciated. Oh, it was a pleasure, John. I, I uh, I've enjoyed connecting with you, and we really only met. What's wonderful about this is we only met by three, four, three months ago, right? Three months. You know, I, you know, two years ago when I went to the first conference, this was after my accident. I was thinking uh, of speaking, and I realized I did not have the energy or the stamina to even consider it at the time. And you had, you were there. You had your flight suit. You didn't know me from Adam. Mark Sanborn introduced me to you, and um, I got to tell you, 
And I, I, I was like, I've never spoken before, except at a couple church groups. I'm just thinking about this. I'll never forget your, your energy just looking me in the eye and telling me, dude, you can do this. And here's some other people. And here's some, here's some things. And uh, I just remember it just being this interaction that was just so positive. Um, and I was hoping when I came back to this conference down in Phoenix three months ago, that that's a guy I really hope I can find and reconnect with. And I went to Speaking Eagles, and you were running it, and you shared. And I'm like, you know what? This is my guy. There's just something mm-hmm. about him. I want to I wanna do what I can do to help him and just tuck in and, and learn from this guy. And I just appreciate you being who you are. So thank oh, you. Oh, that, that, and I, I feel the same about you. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it's great. And, and that's kind of our calling. And, and I know you, like, like I can tell your energy, your character that you do this <clears throat> for so many other people as well. So, so let's call it, you're taking with honor. I'm on your podcast for connecting. You've helped me so many other ways as well. And so it's symbiotic and that's, what's beautiful. That's what makes it a great relationship, a special relationship, a special wingman. And, and so I consider you technically, you know, hey, we're building all the attributes of really being an authentic wingman. And sometimes you could tap into that pretty quick, right? Yeah, no doubt. You're, you're, you know, and, and that's what's great. You know pretty quickly if somebody's going to be a wingman or not. It takes time to earn that relationship and trust. But, hey, look at us. Three months and we're already connected like this. And I'm excited to, to keep digging the well to keep digging the well of our relationship and uh, and I honor our friendship and look forward to continually, uh, continuing to get to know you better. Um, uh, and I, I think if folks want to connect with me, I think you mentioned about my, my website. Uh, yeah, I think you put it on the podcast, but folks, yeah, if well, you want to connect. Yourwingman.com. Go there. You got to check out what, uh, what Waldo's doing. Uh, honestly, for any event, any conference you need, if you want just a speaker that will that will meaningfully impact your folks, reach out to Waldo. You do coaching, you do consulting. Uh, your book is phenomenal. And all the links for uh, everything that Waldo mentioned, just go to eternalleadership.com and go to the link on the podcast. And also, guys, we're there. We would always appreciate it if uh, you know how iTunes, our, our goal is to get have this faith-based leadership podcast in the top 100 of iTunes. We've been there uh, most of the last year, but we need you guys to subscribe I'd appreciate that. And just tell a friend about it. If you could just tell one friend and just tell them to go to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, hit subscribe. Uh, that is actually how iTunes ranks the the podcast in their library. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, and Waldo, thank you again for your time and look forward to uh, next steps, man. You're always welcome on. If you got a new book coming out, a project you're launching, come on, share it with us. We, we want to be part of uh, your success. You got it, my friend. God bless you, and it's been a pleasure flying with you. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. As I said at the top, this edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Marketplace Rock. Is there something that feels like it's blocking your business? The team at Marketplace Rock partners with you in unearthing those things that could be holding you back through intercessory prayer. John and I can't recommend the team highly enough. In fact, our phone calls with them are the highlight of our week. Visit them online, marketplacerock.com, or listen to either of Amy Everett's past interviews with us. Episodes 4 and 66, marketplacerock.com. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.